Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Hey listeners, I just wanted to quickly mention my favorite hydration supplement element. Hydration is a crucial part of life, and it isn't just about drinking water. Being optimally hydrated is actually about optimizing your body's fluid ratios. This fluid balance depends on many factors, including the intake and excretion of electrolytes. Electrolytes are charged minerals that conduct electricity to power your nervous system. They also regulate hydration status by balancing fluids inside and outside your cells. Current science points to consuming four to six grams of sodium, three to 0.5 to five grams of potassium, and 400 to 600 milligrams of magnesium per day from diet and supplements for optimal health outcomes. It can be hard to consume these ranges from whole food diets, especially sodium. Element was formulated with a science-backed electrolyte ratio 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Just as important as what is put in element is what is left out. Dodgy ingredients and public health enemy number one, sugar. I've been consuming the product for about a year and absolutely love it. And if you want to get started today, you should go to drinkelement.com slash subscribing to wellness for a special introductory deal on your first order. That's drinkelement, L-M-N-T, dot com slash subscribing to wellness. You won't regret it. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by Melissa Mash, founder and CEO of Dagny Dover. Nine years ago, Melissa set out to launch a bag brand that thought about things you didn't even know you needed. The care and detail that goes into each bag creation is beyond explainable. Each pocket has a purpose. We talked to Melissa about building a company from the ground up, starting with a thoughtful mission and org structure. We talk about the impact of COVID and their D2C versus retail experience. So I know there are a million protein powders on the market these days, but when I tell you that this protein powder is my absolute favorite, I mean it. Sprout Living makes plant-based protein powders that help support my active lifestyle. Sprout Living only uses real, powerful, superfood adaptogens and nootropics. Their blends are not only tasty, but also functional. No gums or thickeners like most protein powders use. No natural flavorings, just the whole real deal ingredients. My personal favorite is the vanilla leucoma. Head over to go.sproutliving.com backslash subscribing to wellness and use code SUB2PROTEIN for 20% off your order. Melissa, welcome to subscribing to wellness. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So excited to be chatting with you. I use my Dagny bag all the time. Um, I think something I definitely want to just start from the beginning before we kind of like backwards track in how we got to these fantastic bags is you have been on a mission in creating a thoughtful team from day one, and you've built your company around that. Can you talk to me about the importance of round up foundational team building and how that's essentially been your number one focus in in building Dagny Dover? Yeah, sure. So my co-founders and I, Deepa Gandhi, Jesse Dover, and myself, we've been working on this business for over 11 years together. And it was really important when I was looking for co-founders that I find people that not only have extremely complementary skill sets to myself and sort of, you know, you're self-aware enough to know like where you need to fill in around you, but also that would have the grit and tenacity to want to see this through, especially with two of us being, you know, Wharton MBAs, one of us being, you know, um, an award-winning designer from Parsons, 
there are a lot of options. And when you have people who have a lot of options, it can be easy to get distracted by what our friends are doing or, you know, what jobs that they have or lifestyles that they have. And the path of entrepreneurship is not one that is quick to success. And it certainly only takes, you know, certain types of personalities who are willing to um, to continue and to, and to fight through the hard times. So I think the temperament is really important. Um, the chemistry between the co-founders, as well as, of course, the complementary skill sets. And then also, if you're a company that needs to raise money, which was certainly us um, in order to have large scale production abroad, then being able to sell that we were the, the team that was going to be successful to investors as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And when building those team members around you, what have you found to be some of the most important assets in 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 people? Yeah, I think that's something that we learned early on, frankly, because we were not a company that raised, you know, tens of millions of dollars, VC, VC money, et cetera. Like we took very small checks from high net worth individuals or from, you know, small funds, et cetera, is that we couldn't afford to hire experts at any one thing. We had to cultivate them ourselves. And so we took people who were extremely capable, extremely agile, um, but did not have exact expertise in what we were hiring them for. And honestly, it paid off dividends. Like for us, a lot of people on our team, and again, we're a really small team. We're 32 people. We're 10 years in business. A lot of them have been with us for over five years. And I think that's a testament to the fact that we invested in them. They invested in us. We believe in each other. We're building this together, which is very different from if you're just hiring people who are uh, who want to make, you know, the highest amount of money that they could possibly make or have the biggest title that they could have or prestige or whatever, have all the perks at their office, all the ping pong, all the snacks or whatever, fancy trips, et cetera. Like we're not that we're not an ext extrinsically motivating um, type of company to work for. You know, you can go work in tech. You can go work for a number of other um, very heavily financed companies. We're not that. We attract people who want to build something together and um, and and again, who are intr intrinsically motivated. Yeah, I think you touched on something there that we talk to so many founders about is culture. And I think at the heart of it, you know, as you said, like you can raise all of this external capital and you can have all the fancy perks. But at the end of the day, culture is what really drives success because people want, as you said, people want to be there. People want to stay. So tell me a little bit about like your internal company culture that you feel like is unique or makes that spark tick a little bit differently. Yeah, we, I mean, we, it's very important to us that everyone is nice. Everyone needs to be working hard. People can't have egos. If they're trying to defend their part of the business and advocate for them, that's kind of a sign that things are not so great. You know, that's kind of a sign that like you feel like you need to prove your contributions and that your work just doesn't sort of speak for itself or, or maybe you don't feel as collaborative with your team as, as, as you should and with other parts of the company. And I think that that stems from, a lot of industries work that way, you know, where they're not collaborative or they or they're taught to be siloed or they're just such big organizations that it's very hard to connect with other ones or to spend the time doing that. But and, and certainly from our past corporate experiences prior to starting Dagny, we very much felt that those silos existed. But that's not the type of company that we wanted to, to, to start. And especially that was important to us. That was important to us that the, that the vibe is 
very collaborative. That is very like, we are all rowing in the same direction in that finance respect design, design respect finance, and you know whatever sort of extremes that you want to talk about in terms of an organization. If you don't have that fundamental respect for what other people do and understanding of what lens they're approaching every problem with, then of course you're never going to you know be collaborative and see eye to eye. So I think an understanding of, of each other's sides and then also just getting to know each other. You know, we, we're about to go on to our, our offsite this year, which is basically a trip from us founders as a thank you to our team for working so hard throughout the whole year and just being so dedicated to what we do. And it's just a time for us to connect with each other, have so much fun, do what you want to do. Don't do anything if you want, like use the time, how we get away from your kids and just like speak to speak to no one, like whatever you want to spend your time doing during that time is yours and you can opt into whatever. And there's tons of fun things. But again, if you don't even want to be social, you don't have to. So, you know, like we really want to serve our customers, our, our, our customers, our, our employees in whatever way that will fill their cup and that will help them perform best throughout the year. Um, that's one small example, but, you know, we, we have a lot of interns um, throughout the year and we always make them feel seen and contributing. I mean, the gen, you know, the Gen Z voice in our conversations for marketing is very important. So, you know, we really try to make sure that every conversation that we're having is very inclusive and is um, sort of not the traditional hierarchies that we're used to seeing in corporate America, certainly where we came from. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. So now that we kind of like went in the business first, I want to step back out. So you were at coach previously, as you mentioned, um, and then starting Dagny Dover, tell us, tell us what Dagny Dover is and kind of like what you saw and why, why this? Dagny Dover is a performance bag brand. Uh, we're based in New York City. And what's important is that everything that we do has very smartly designed, very thoughtfully organized interiors, as well as the materials that we use. Every sort of aspect is, is sort of overthought. And I think that most people, that's exactly what they say. Like, wow, I can't believe how much thought went into the design of this particular bag. And it's really about hitting the needs of our customer, anticipating them and being able to solve problems that we're fr are frustrating on a daily basis, whether it is a water bottle that you need to be able to store in your bag with your thousands of dollars worth of tech and how does it stand upright or a neoprene pouch that's able to keep it insulated and keep it upright or whether it's the key leash that's in every bag because it's like, hey, you go on vacation, you need to store your keys somewhere. You don't want to lose them while you're on vacation. Hey, you can attach it to the key leash or you can attach in your in your work bag. Okay, now I know exactly where they are. If I'm going to my car late at night, I know exactly where my keys are. I feel safe. I feel you know confident in how I'm approaching my day. So it's really important to us that, that we're solving actual problems for our customer in addition to providing an fantastic quality product at a very compelling price point using performance materials that for the most part are extremely easy to use and to wash and to care for. Um, and what started was that I, I had had this position at Coach in the UK. I was led, I was brought in to lead the turnaround at its first store in 2009, and people had a lot of bag problems. And the terminal, which is Heathrow uh, Terminal 5 exclusive, uh, British Airways exclusive terminal for anyone who's been there and seen it, is very posh. And there are a ton of brands there, but people were still looking for something that wasn't being met. They wanted something that was essentially like a millennial version of Toomey, but feminine a better price point, you know, performance materials. This was 2009. People were doing a lot of traveling, you know, suddenly people were carrying one to two laptops, one to two phones. And so that was very different from, you know, 10 years prior, certainly 20 years prior. So the industry really needed to evolve and needed a brand that really served this type of a customer. And today, um, today we're a very healthy business and we're certainly doing that. Yeah. So you mentioned a couple of different things and I want to touch on like the travel aspect here because you are a brand that has, you know, passed the COVID storm and done very well. 
And I'm curious, like, what issues did the business face during COVID? And then how did you guys kind of shift gears or maximize to negate like the COVID impact? Totally. COVID was horrible. You know, I mean, for, for every, every day we were on the phone strategizing about what our next move was going to be because, you know, it wasn't appropriate to, to market during that time about like, why should anyone need to buy a bag right now and no one's going anywhere? And there are a lot bigger problems that, that our society and our, our, our culture and around the world are, are trying to solve. So, you know, basically not spending on digital marketing, but also people weren't going anywhere. So they didn't need bags. So what do you sell when you're a bag company? Well, the good thing is that we have a very diverse product assortment. So even though people weren't traveling or they weren't going to work, they weren't commuting. And those were the styles. Those were the silhouettes that had driven our business prior to COVID. Well, they were still having babies and we had a, a, an award-winning diaper bag that, you know, it's our diaper backpack for anyone who hasn't seen it. It is just gangbusters on every retailer site that we're on. It's the number one style that sells on our own site. So that carried us through COVID along with our crossbody selection. So we have the Mara crossbody, which is a nice little silhouette. We have the Ace Fanny Pack. People still want needed to carry their things when they're going to the grocery store or going out for a hike, but they just didn't want to carry a lot, you know? So the product mix definitely shifted. But also I think something that's always really protected us is that we have a wide range of customers. We have literally kids begging their parents for a dagging over backpack, all the way up to people in their 70s and 80s who love the late lightweight crossbody options that are easy to wash as well. So the fact that we have such a wide range of, of customers, I think also protected us throughout COVID. Um, yeah. But what's that we continue to ship out more products year over year, you know, from pre-COVID beyond. It was just that, you know, the products themselves were a bit different. Yeah, for sure. And you opened your retail store in New York during during peak COVID. We did. Uh, tell me, tell me about that journey. That was a very unfortunate timing of events. So we signed our lease um, in Soho uh, in December. And then of course COVID happened. And, and then of course the stock work ordinance happened. So we couldn't even build out the space. Um, but we launched in September, October of 2020. And we started with curbside pickup and we started with virtual styling sessions, you know, so people could, we could utilize the store, but people wouldn't have to come in to actually purchase. Um, but we're really, I mean, we love our store so much for anyone who hasn't been there. We encourage you to stop by. I'd say that the most popular part of the store, and that was certainly the most popular part of our pop-up, which existed for over a year prior to that, was the test drive station. And it's essentially a part of the store that has like fake things for you to put in your bag so that you don't have to schlep your own stuff to the store in order to figure out what size or, you know, what how it's going to feel with all your computers in it, all your shoes and everything. So we have like fake laptops, we got fake phones, we have sneakers, we've got breast pumps, we got like fake fruit, you know, we got water bottles, beakers and nail jeans and whatever, so that you don't have to bring your stuff, but you can get a very good sense and have a lot of confidence in picking out a bag at the store and leaving that you've got the right one for you. So um, we're really happy, even though, even though the timing was not awesome. This is Caroline from the Subscribing to Wellness team. I work on content and I couldn't be more excited to share with you all my incredible experience with Inside Tracker from a blood biomarker perspective. I'm obsessed with Inside Tracker because without access to your own biomarkers, it's impossible to have that pulse check on how you're actually doing health-wise, how to improve for the sake of your health today and 20 years into the future, and if your current style of living is actually working for you. The first time I did Inside Tracker, they helped me realize I had elevated creatine kinase, a marker of excess muscle inflammation due to overtraining, and low ferritin, a marker of your iron stores. 
By using their action-oriented educational portal, I was able to get both of these markers back into the green by changing my exercise routine and taking a liquid iron supplement. My energy levels and performance in the gym are so much better now, and I couldn't be more pumped about it. If you want to try Inside Tracker out for yourself, you can use my code by visiting insidetracker.com slash sub2wellness to get 20% off. That's insidetracker.com slash sub2wellness. I can't wait to hear what you think. It's interesting because I, first of all, that is so cool that you do that. It reminds me of like when you go to a nice uh, running store and they have treadmills and you can test out, you know, or like a track of some sort. I think a lot of retailers, you know, miss that mark. They're like so focused on like the design or the color of the wall. And they miss the fact that like people are coming here because they actually need something useful. Um, And they want to leave feeling like, okay, I made a good purchase. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like you guys kind of did the opposite order of events compared to what a lot of retailers did had to do during COVID, which was they already had a retail store and then they had to switch or shift their positioning to, for example, you know, curbside pickup or, you know, virtual styling where you guys started doing that because of where your store was in the time of the pandemic. Tell me a bit how like marketing efforts have shifted since then and what you kind of learned from that experience to now moving forward. Yeah. So, um, so one example of something that we did during a time when we didn't feel it was appropriate to uh, put money into digital marketing and, and you know, sort of encourage people to buy bags is that we started a coalition called Brands for Better, along with Roan, for anyone knows that brand, um, sort of athleisure performance brand for men. And we wanted to say like, hey, for anyone who is shopping these digitally native brands, our peers, our friends, who obviously this is a tough time for us, but anyone who is shopping, we want to thank you so much for the fact that you're supporting us during this time. And we want to allow you to have a portion of, of, of proceeds from your purchase to be able to support one of many organizations that um, is helping people and uh, get through COVID. So whether it is Save the Children, Feeding America, the CDC Foundation, you know, there were a number of, of organizations that were working at the time and we're saying like, this is this this situation is impacting everyone in such a different way. Um, thank you so much for supporting our business and, and, and please feel free to donate to one of these organizations um, on our behalf. So we were able to to raise over $4 million between all of the hundreds of digitally native brands who have, um, who joined the coalition and, and, and made the pledge to give back, um, which was really incredible and something that we're really proud of during, during that time. That's just one example of something that we did very early on in COVID. But after that, honestly, I think that there was so much goodwill in terms of I mean, we've always done this pre-COVID and such, but like COVID times we had all these fanny packs and we're like, you know what? Healthcare workers need somewhere to put their um, their um, their PPE when they're you know working their twelve plus hour shifts, and let's donate a bunch of fanny packs to them so that so that they're prepared. And so you know doing things like that wherever we could help out was really was really impactful. And then after COVID, honestly, I know that you know in this environment in particular. Um, sort of one of the major things that, that everyone's talking about is just is just the cost of, of doing business, right? The, the increase in CACs all around. And frankly, we've had a decrease in our CACs. And I think it's because um, our products have, have been in retail stores. They have been on retail sites. There's just sort of more of it out in the world being seen. Um, there Again, there was so much, whether it's PR, whether it's press, um, things on influencers, 
there's just so much more brand exposure, I think, that we've had through COVID and beyond talking about, let's call it, we, we participated in two campaigns for Clear the List. Um, so that was, you know, helping teachers get their classrooms um, resourced and funded throughout the summers up until through the early parts of the school year. So, you know, there are scrappy ways to get in front of audiences about things that we care about. We offer a 20% off um, teachers and heroes discount year round on our site anyway. So that was a nice time for us to be able to highlight some of the other features that we that we offer year round. Uh, again, even though it wasn't like direct advertising. Yeah, 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 for sure. So you were a digitally native brand without a physical retail location for the last, I guess we can call it like eight and a half years or so, or so right? Yeah, yes. I guess timing wise. Um, you, and in that sense, like that's, that's what I consider like, you know, like OG digitally native, like you were doing online marketing before online marketing was really a thing, probably Instagram before it was like Instagram, et cetera. Um, tell me about like, you know, we've talked to brands, I guess the best example I have in this is Elizabeth Stein from Purely Elizabeth. Like she was one of the OG CPG brands in that regard. And she has said how like her Instagram strategy has pretty much stayed the same, but she's just been like ahead of the tide. And I'm curious, like for you going from like being just solely digitally native to now having this retail location, what has changed across your social channels to yeah. enable like more consumer engagement? Yeah. So I just want to take a step back and just talk about like what has changed and generally how we how we've approached marketing since day one. So we launched the brand in 2013 through a presale. We sort of had more of a um, of an assortment starting in 2014, but Instagram advertising didn't exist then, you know, so, and frankly, we didn't have the money to be able to support it because we were like, we don't want to spend some of our precious money that we've raised for this on, on that. We want to see if word of mouth really drives this brand. If we put more money on the quality of the product and expect the product to sell itself, is that is that going to be true? And that was our thesis. And honestly, it continues to be true. 40% of the traffic or 40% of the acquisition on our site today is unpaid word of mouth. And so that was a bet that was, you know, that has paid off. That is certainly not a bet that a lot of brands have taken, especially if they were born in the after 2015 era where digital, digital marketing was commonplace and, you know, sort of expected. Then you've sort of grown up, you know, already having an allocation that, of course, you're, you're spending there. But that wasn't where we came from. For us, it was like, oh, for the first time, we're going to spend additional marketing. And oh, is it worth it? You know, so we've always been very critical, I'd say, of every every dollar that we're putting into digital as opposed to just trying to drive word of mouth. And we do that through our loyalty program, which we think is best in class um, and really promotes engagement with our customers, whether it's through purchasing or through engaging with our brand in another way. Um, and so today we have a very diverse marketing stack that is certainly not dependent on meta um, or any other digital marketing. Yeah. Um, in terms of like marketing efforts to drive more traffic, those numbers are awesome. But so bags when i think of like bag purchases i am a bag lady so i i have a lot of bags but um i don't necessarily like buy bags as regularly as i would like buy you know cereal or something like that so i know you guys have an array of bags but what do you how are you engaging with customers to drive repeat purchase for like yep. expanding that wardrobe yeah. So one of the things that we launched, I think at this point, it's been about two years ago, is that we partnered with Archive Resale to launch something called Almost Vintage on our site. 
And if you click to the bottom of our site, you can see the link there. And it's an area for people to be able to sell their existing Jackney bags that maybe they no longer want. They want to clear space in their closet for something else. Um, but we want to make sure that our bags don't end up in a landfill and that they certainly, it's it's you know very fragmented for it to like some things to end up on Craigslist, some things to be on eBay, some things to be on Poshmark. It's not a great user experience for anyone who's interested in one of our bags. It doesn't have the details about, does it come, does it have all the pieces to it? Does it have the, the key leash? Does it have the water bottle holders? Does it have the shoe bag, et cetera? So we wanted to put that all on our own site as a way, as a very branded way for people to um, be able to purchase something that was, you know, lower than, you know, full price retail, try a, a product, maybe um, get rid of things that were in their closet. And also, again, give more life to, to the bags we have. And not only that, but we have a lot of limited edition styles that once they're out, they're, they're gone forever, you know, and people often are like, oh, I'm, you know, dying for this product that, that came out three, the style that came out three years ago, and I can't find it anywhere. And instead of scouring the internet, it's like, here's one place where hopefully, you know, we can funnel all attention there. And then they have the opportunity to purchase something uh, with credit on our site or to just get the cash back. So that's one small example of how we're able to continue to bring existing customers or you know new customers who maybe just don't want to pay full price for something to our site and engaging them with them there and then capturing them and being able to show them everything else that we offer and how we grow with them right so maybe you come to us as like a starter bag for when you're getting your first job out of college and then you go up to like a nicer you know sort of work bag and then you're like well I'm traveling this weekend so I need you know the land and carry on going on a hike it's a very you know outdoorsy weekend whatever I'm going to wear the Ace fanny pack or the um or the Nova phones uh or the Nova um sling bag um and then so you just sort of grow into other aspects of their life without making huge leaps. You know, we're not a company that's like, we're going to go into shoes. Like that is not our core competency. Our core competency is bags and hopefully anticipating your needs with the bags. So, you know, when they have a baby, of course, hopefully we hope that they're going to come back to us and be like, the Indie Diver backpack is the only bag like I want to carry. It doesn't even look like a backpack. It's like, it's just like a chic bag. I would carry it. Anyway, so um, I think it's really important to grow with the customer and to give them a reason to come back to you and to already sort of be there. You know, if you are crushing it with giving them what they need for a work bag, as soon as they need another bag for any other occasion, or someone has a baby in their lives, or, you know, someone's complaining about their work bag, then then hopefully you're recommending our products to them. Yeah, that makes sense. So I can't help but ask this question. Um, bags are super, super personal items. You know, as you said, you guys, you guys built these bags anticipating every person's needs. And, and you do that, like your bags are so thoughtfully designed, but at the same time, so many of your highlights, you only know by like touching and feeling them and seeing all the cool zippers and seeing all the hidden pockets. Tell me about like, how are you telling that message online super clear before opening up a retail store? And even now having just one retail store in New York city, you know, all of your consumers aren't in New York city. So how are you? How do you sell, how do you sell something so special with so much detail online? Yeah. So if you go to any of our product pages, you can see that there are a lot of pictures and videos. So you can see what the product looks like on someone who's like, let's say five, five versus someone who's like six feet, you know, how does it fall on them? You know, how, how long can the, can the strap um, be adjusted to? 
Um, you also see the contents of what you can fit inside the bag and exactly where it would go. All the pieces that come with it from, again, the key leash to the shoe bag to, um, to, the, to the tech pouch, et cetera, so that you get a very good feel of like what you're supposed to use each pocket for. It's not just like a generic pocket, like one big pocket, you know, it's like literally like this is where you put your phone. You can put it on the exterior or you can put it on the interior, et cetera. These are the three places that you can click clip um, the key leash if you'd like. Um, so we really try to use digital as a major tool. We're not just like a brand that's like, here's what it looks like, like aesthetic, aesthetically. It's like, this is what it looks like when you have it on top of your, uh, when you have it on your luggage handle. This is what it looks like when you're walking down the street so that people have a very good sense of it. Not only that, but we are in a number of retailers. We're in all Nordstrom locations. We're in all Equinox locations in the US and Canada. Um, Shop up, although that's again, digital. Um, and then um, a few other, you know, creating kids uh, and baby lists, et cetera. So we try to be where the customer is already shopping for our products, but also there are a number of physical locations within, you know, almost anywhere in the U.S. that people can go and touch and feel our products and sort of experience them for their own. And we really consider our retail partners to be showrooms for our brand. Yeah. Who do you consider? I have some ideas off the top of my head, but like in terms of competitive landscape, I'm curious, like who you guys are really competing against for that lifestyle bag, you know, perfect bag kind of kind of act. You know, when we think of who we want to take market share from, it's not from anyone who's like new and up and coming. We're like the second generation or, you know, the new generation of what legacy bags will hopefully become. But for us, it's like, Coach, Kate Spade, Coors, um, Tori, Mark Jacobs, you know, those are, are those are the longstanding players and they compete mostly on, you know, affordable luxury aesthetic and I guess tradition. And for us, we complete we compete on in something in a on a totally different um in a totally different way, but it's meant to serve uh, this generation, you know, this generation that, that's carrying a lot of tech, that's on the go, that's multifaceted, that's literally going from the gym to the office to a night out. Sometimes they're taking a flight, et cetera. So it's really an on the go lifestyle. Um, that being said, you know, we sit in people's closets who carry very high end bags, who, who carry, you know, a lot of coach or a lot of Chanel, a lot of YSL, much higher bags, but they still use us for their baby bag, or they still use us for their gym bag, you know? So we sit in a lot of people's closets. We certainly don't feel like we are necessarily replacing another bag. It's more that we we're coming to them with a completely different set of, um, of value. Yeah. 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 So you're celebrating your 10 year anniversary in a couple months, which is so exciting. What, um, what can we expect from besides a, an amazing like limited edition collection. What can we expect from Dagny kind of just like moving forward if we say like a year or five years down the road? Yeah. So, you know, it's taken us a long time to get to this, to get, I mean, 10 years is a long time to build something, you know? And I think that we know who we are. We are so confident in what is coming down the pike and who our customer is and that it's going to hit and they're going to love it. And there's so many areas that we haven't even explored, right? We've done like work bags. They've done like some travel. We've done like lifestyle baby, but it's like really just the tip of the iceberg in each of those areas. It's certainly not as filled out as we would love. And furthermore, there are plenty of other bag areas that we haven't done yet. So um, I think everyone is going to be extremely excited and extremely pleased with everything that's coming down the pike over the next 12 to 24 months. 
And we're just so excited to keep giving customers what they want, hearing their feedback. And as always, we always iterate off and make sure that we're constantly improving our products if it's not 100% um, right for them. So we're excited to hear their feedback. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to dig into the materials because I think your bags, like the materials is what really makes, is it, I mean, besides all of the amazing intricacies and pockets and thoughtful design, but the materials are so special and unique. Tell me about like why you chose the materials you did and what makes your bag materials like that much different. Yeah. So I think I'll start with neoprene because that's what most people know us for. Um, neoprene is extremely versatile in that it holds its shape much like leather. You know, it doesn't like collapse onto itself. It's not like a tarp, you know, but it holds a nice shape while also being really lightweight and being able to be washed. That's those are all unique properties to a bag. Um, leather, we offer some leather. Leather, you have to be a little bit trickier with, right? It is like, it absorbs color. Like there are all these things about it, but also if someone wants a little bit more of a formal looking bag or sort of more, you know, a higher, more upscale type of work bag, then that makes sense. We launched our brand using coated canvas, um, which is a very popular material of some other bag brands. And the reason why is because like you can do anything to it, you know, you can spill wine all over it and just like it'll wipe clean. And, you know, so there's a practicality to certainly the, the materials that we choose. And then most recently our eco-friendlier um, collections, which have involved uh, recycled poly. So it's reprieve is, is the, is the um, material name is super easy. I mean, you can wipe anything off of it. It's, it's nice and lightweight. It feels great in the hand. Um, so, you know, we're really excited about, about that collection and the, the styles that we offer there as well. One of the new items in the past couple of years that we've launched is the Mila toiletry bag. I don't know if anyone knows of it, but it's a game changer. It's amazing. It's you're able to see, um, down into all of your skincare and all of your toiletries, which is also just a different way of experiencing using a toiletry bag. So it's not all jumbled and sort of laying on its side. Um, but that's really practical, right? Because like makeup and cosmetics and, you know, toiletries are messy. Things spill all the time when you're traveling. So you want to make sure that this is something that can easily be thrown into the wash, easily be wiped clean, et cetera. It's so amazing. There's so many things that I feel like uh, as a consumer, we don't necessarily think about or really appreciate when we buy something. And yet you guys just go that extra step beyond and think for us. <laughs> exactly. Like one example of the Mila is like, you can completely take out all of the pockets on the inside and like spills happen. So you want to be able to wash the whole thing. So you can totally just like rip out the entire lining and then like Velcro it back in. That's how it's made. It's literally made to be taken apart and washed and stuff because like it will inevitably get messy. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So previously you were at coach. I want to know like what were some of the biggest learnings that you took from that time that you really feel like have been instrumental in building such a successful brand at Dagny? Yeah. I, I worked in wholesale at the time, um, brick and mortar, as well as helping establish a wholesale e-commerce channel. And through that experience, and it was 2008, so it was like the global economic crisis. And we had gone from being like the darling of the company, sort of, you know, the most successful portion of the company, or at least that's what was said, to being a real problem, you know, Order, orders were being cut left and right by retailers. And I think learning from that experience about how you cannot use your sales distribution channels as something that you are depending on was a huge lesson for me. And so when we started Dagny, I was like, 
I want to be in some, some wholesale. I want to be in some retailers, but they have to be used as a customer acquisition tool to funnel them back, hopefully to our own website, introduce our products, our brands in, in front of them, but really send them back to our own website so they can shop the full collection so they can understand who we are and what we do. This has really got to be a very small portion of our business. And today it's less than 10% of our, of our overall, overall business. So it's, um, it's very much a strategic tool. Um, so that was one thing, not being too dependent on wholesale. Another one is that, you know, retail and fashion is, is notorious for having um, flagship stores that don't make money, that lose money, but they're just on the most prestigious streets in each city. And that to me was just mind bogglingly <laughs> um, foolish, you know? So for, so for me, I really wanted to make sure that we were cutting out all the expensive CapEx in building this brand. We were not investing in losing stores and we're very proud that our store is profitable, which is great, but that it's very important that everything has to make money. You know, we're in a digital age, like we're used to making $10 out of one. So uh, if a store is also not performing um, with that sort of ROI, then also, also we can't do that either. So very, being very tempered in terms of how we roll out stores, that's why we only have one today. Um, and also having an aspire, inspiring culture. We came from organizations that even though most of the customers were women, the leadership was not. It was way disproportionately men. And what does that say to a 20-something-year-old woman to, to enter a work to enter a workplace and see that? It's not very inspiring. You know, so for us, I mean, our whole team is 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 so inspired by each other, but also the fact that, you know, we have three women co-founders, two of whom are BIPOC, you know, it's just like it feels really good in terms of who we're attracting and that they want to be a part of this because this feels like the new um this feels like what new corporate America should feel like and look like and talk like, you know, like we are very collaborative in terms of how we speak as founders, how we work together. And it trickles down to every part of our organization from senior leadership all the way to new hires. And so that's a very different sort of culture than the most people are entering into in corporate America. Those are such great lessons. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of times people claim that they they've taken lessons from their previous workplaces, but it's it's clear in what you have built that those are clear things that you guys have implemented as well as successfully implemented, which I think is an amazing thing. Um, we like to ask all of our guests how they subscribe to wellness. So I'm curious some things that you do on a daily and weekly basis that allows you to be able to show up not only for yourself, but for Dagny and your family. Yeah. Um, I, I, there are, there are a lot of things. Um, I definitely make time for myself. I think that it's easy, especially as a parent, to not do that. And for me, whether it's like retail therapy, like shopping, buying something for myself at night, or I'm really into nails, you know, like doing my nails, um, especially like fake press on nails. I'm really into that. So like, just like having my nails done and feeling like I did something for me, um, or also, you know, working out or, you know, walking and taking meetings on the go, choosing not necessarily the most efficient way to get somewhere. Like, sure, I could hop down on the subway to the store and get there in like 10 minutes. Like, I'm going to take my 20 minute walk and I'm going to grab breakfast along the way and have my, you know, my breakfast taco, you know, walking down the street. Like, I think taking time and feeling like you're, I don't want to say like stealing moments to yourself, but like, just like I did this for me and I, I didn't have to optimize every single part of my day. I optimized 85% of it, but, um, being slow about things and really enjoying it because, you know, we're 10 years in and as we get closer to big milestones, it can get a little bit sad too. You know, I mean, of course, like the first few years are 
tough and they're really hard and you keep pining for easier days. But then suddenly when you have a team and it's like not nearly what it was when, in the first five years, um, you get a little nostalgic and you're like, I want to slow down. I want to slow down this like really special time that we're in. So that's what yeah, I'm doing. That's interesting. Uh, I feel like no one ever says that, but it's so true. Just the fact that like, as things and companies get bigger, I don't want to say it gets easier because it doesn't get easier, but things just change and responsibility shift and focus changes. And there is like that, you know, new beginning time that's so sweet and tender. Um, so it is a good reminder for us all to just slow down because we don't know, you know, what that next step might look like indeed. Um, tell me where our listeners can find Dagny, learn more, buy, et cetera. I... I mean, our site, dagnedover.com, D-A-G-N-E-D-O-V-E-R.com. Um, but also, you know, we, we're at Equinox locations. I'd say that that's probably like the, the quickest and easiest way to find us because there's so many of them. Um, and I think you can go to the retail store without like, you know, being a member or anything. We're on Shopop. Uh, we're on Saks.com. We're on Babylist for anyone who is registered there. We're on Creighton Kids. Um, and then of course our store in Soho, which is super fun. We have a ton of activations there all the time. I'd say one to two times a month, we have events there that are drawing in a huge crowd and that have some creative thing that you can walk away with. So, um, or interacting with us and seeing our, our content on social and, and sort of seeing what we're all about. We're so much more than just bags. We're really a positive place for you to feel like, you know what, the world, the world is going to be okay. Um, and that's what we definitely try to try to try to channel and focus on. Amazing. Melissa, thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you. All right. Today's episode is brought to you in partnership with Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to see what the hype was all about. Now I literally can't miss a day. It's the first thing I put in my body every single morning. As someone who suffers from IBS, AG1 has completely improved my gut health and allows me to have sustained energy throughout the day. And since I'm always on the go, the travel packs make it so easy to stay consistent wherever I am. Love it. I've personally been taking AG1 for a while. And as someone who lacked a multivitamin routine, AG1 has been the perfect product to mix into my morning routine. Truthfully, I was a skeptic at first as I'm with most supplements and vitamins, but I've felt noticeably better at the start of morning workouts and definitely have seen an improvement in my digestive health. I tend to mix my AG1 with two tablespoons of lemon juice and coconut water, and it's delicious. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash STW. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash STW to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness, and we'll see you next time.